please join me in the prayer for illumination found in your bulletin. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. A lesson from the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 14. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one Spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but many. The word of God for the people of God. I'd like to invite the children to come down for a special time together. And if you're joining us online, I invite you to sit just a little bit closer to the screen. folks coming this morning. All right. Thank you all for being here this morning. I know it's fall break for a lot of us, so I'm glad that we're all here together. All right. So I have a question for you all. How many of you like presents? Me. You like presents? Yeah. And when do we usually get presents? Christmas. Christmas. That's a great time. Birthday Santa. from Santa. That's right. And that's right. We still get gifts from Santa in our house. Where else do we get gifts? Birthday. Um, for your birthday. That's right. It's so much fun to get gifts. Do you have fun giving gifts to other people too? Going out and yeah. shopping and finding the right thing and giving it to them? Well, what would happen if you bought a gift for somebody and you didn't give it to them? You wrapped it up all nice and pretty, and then you stuck it in your closet, but you never gave it to them. What would happen to it? Sad. It would be kind of sad, wouldn't it? And it would sit there, it would get all dusty, and you'd, you'd see it the next year and wonder, why didn't I give this to this person? Well, I want you to think about this. Gifts don't come alive until they are given away. Gifts don't come alive until they're given away. In the scripture we read today, it talks about gifts that are given by God. But they aren't physical presents, like something you get at your birthday or at Christmas. 
their traits, their abilities, their talents, th- things that God gives us directly. And God gives those to us so we can help others know who God is that much better. So I've got this gift over here in this bag. Um, it's something that we usually give to our first-time members, but if I made up that gift and just left it in my office, it wouldn't be useful, would it? They wouldn't get to have the nice West End coffee mug that's in there or the bumper sticker that's in there. They wouldn't get to enjoy that. And like the gift bag, they aren't any good unless they're given away. So I want to encourage you guys as you, as you look at the abundance of the things that you have, of all the things that God has given you, all the talents you have, to give them away to other people so that they can get to know God that much better because then they're special. All right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray real quick. Dear God, we thank you for the way you have blessed each one of us. And I pray that you will help us to take the gifts you've given us and to spread them to everybody around us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. If you are between three and five, you can go with Pastor Maggie um, to Children's Church. And if not, you can go back and sit with your family and friends. All right. Go ahead. Amen. <laughs> For the last nine months, we have been working through the books of the Bible from Genesis, and we'll wind up in the book of the Revelation towards the end of the year. And we've done this as a way to open ourselves up to us to a new understanding of what this sacred text, the Bible that we read, what this sacred text means to us both individually and as a community. The work we're doing of living together week after week in the scriptures offers us an opportunity to unify around something that we don't usually do a lot in our busy lives. It creates space for conversation and shared experience that may be absent from the way that we spend our days and our weeks. This week, as we look at the book of 1 Corinthians, we see that it's one of the, it's one of the churches that the Apostle Paul helped to create. Um, he had been to this region about three years prior to writing the letter, so he was intimately involved in the creation of this church and knew what this church had to offer as well as what it um, struggled with. So he was interested in how they did church. The unity that we hope to create by traveling the scriptures together each week is one that Paul longs for this church. We get a sense very early on in the letter that something is not quite right. And Paul takes in the task for the, for the things that seem to separate them. At the very beginning of the book, in verse 2 of chapter 1, we see Paul connecting them to the believers outside of their city, setting the stage for a conversation around being more than mere individuals and then being more than one geographically defined group. In the theological world, a church is defined as a contextual body that is made up of people in a particular place, in a particular time, that gather together over common belief. The Corinthian church is one that has a particular flavor based on the community it resides in and the people that make up its gathered body. The city itself is one that, is, um, that is, has wide socioeconomic gaps with a lot of money to be made through the trade that happens in the roots around the waters around them. The city is home to a variety of religions that that trade has brought meaning they were replete with temples to a various number of deities. 
Throughout the book, you'll find references to food sacrificed to idols and how to live faithfully with so many things around them that seem to be antithetical to their faith. And it's this city with fractured lines of haves and have-nots and varieties of belief that the church occupies. And some of those same personalities, those same traits, have been brought into the houses where they meet. They're not left at the door, but the influence becomes deeply seated in each person, ultimately creating the need for admonishment toward unity within the church. When discussing the importance of coming to the communion table properly, Paul gets into, onto the wealthier of the church members for partake, partaking in their own meals, leaving out those that are less affluent as they gather together to commune and ultimately partake in the Lord's Supper. The drawing of lines within the gathering of the church flies in the face of what church is to be about. So when we get to the text that we've read today, the foundation has been laid for a conversation around what each of us brings to that table and how we are to use those gifts. The body imagery that Paul uses is one that any of us can identify, and it's not hard to imagine, no matter our ability levels, what it would be like to not have certain parts of the body or certain abilities. So Paul seeks to touch on that by the understanding, by, un, by equating the gathered community as a body. In order for it to be fully functional, it requires all the parts and pieces to work together. No one piece is more important than the other, and no one task is more important than the other. And it's here that we recognize some of what Paul has been saying all along throughout the book. He has spoken about the need for unity, for an end to jealousy and quarreling, and a recognition of where the gifts we all get come from. They come from the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit. All to help us understand that the gifts given are not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of the church. Our gifts aren't there to help us. They're there to help others. In chapter 14, verse 26, Paul goes on to say, let all things be done for building up. Church community is about mutual support, not so much about what we need or what others need, but it's about what other people need, regardless of who they are. One of my favorite TV shows of all time is the sports-related comedy, Ted Lasso. The show is about what a middle-aged Midwestern American football coach brings to an English professional soccer team as their head coach. Through quippy one-liners that will leave you in stitches and heartwarming interactions that illustrate everyone's need for self-care and positive self-talk and community, the show offers a, a commentary that leaves you challenged and encouraged at the same time. By the end of the show, a book is written about what took place with this team, and the author wants to call it the Ted Lasso way. But before the show ends, the title character leaves a note for the author encouraging him to change the title to the Richmond way, which is named for the city that the team hails from. He says, it's never been about me. It never has. Though Ted was the title character of the show, he wanted to make it aware to the world that everything that helped to create this great team was not because of any one person's influence, but by the power community has to change lives. 
Over the last month, Will has led us through a discussion on the art of belonging. As we talked together each week, we understood a little bit more about this sense of belonging that is important to each of us, and that the part that each of us has to play in creating that sense of belonging for others. That's a key thing for each of us to remember, that everyone is searching for that belonging. And then what better way for us to belong than by cultivating a culture of belonging for others? Again, our gifts are for the benefit of others. This is where the lesson of humility that I see in Ted Lasso is important. Our call is to be about the needs of others, to use the gifts God has blessed us with to ensure that others have a place of belonging, but we also need to be vulnerable and humble enough to acknowledge that we are seeking that belonging ourselves and we need to share our burdens. It's a middle ground of trust. Trust that I can be who God has made me to be and who God calls me to be in this place, offering my gifts to the body while also allowing the gathered community to care for my needs. Being fed and doing the feeding are not mutually exclusive. It's imperative for the health of the body that we ensure both are happening. So that comes with a need for understanding of who we are and an exploration of how we fit into the community. It also comes with an understanding of who we are as a gathered community. The title for my sermon is The Importance of Being We. It was meant to have multiple meanings, or if you're an English nerd, a double entendre, thanks to the input of Carol and other staff members. It's important for us to understand who we are individually, both for a sense of self-awareness, self-actuality, and self-love. And it's important to understand that we were created to be we. We were created for community. Whether you think about it anthropologically, psychologically or theologically, we are individually stronger when we are connected with the lives of others. And if you capitalize the we in the title, as is in the bulletin, it stands for West End. It's important that this gathered body be who we are, who God has called us to be. The body of Christ extends beyond this congregation, so the giftings of a group can also be referenced when we look at Paul's imagery of the body. Each church is contextual and will have its own personality, its own giftings, its own callings, and there is a need to identify those things and how those gifts fit into the wider community of the wider body of Christ. West End is a United Methodist Church. So we are connected in some very vital ways to like-minded churches around the world, and we support those churches in ways that harkens back to what Paul is talking about in our scripture. The body needs us all in order to meet the needs of a creatively diverse world. No one part is more important, and no one part is more right than any other. The Nicene Creed, which is one of our more ancient statements of the Christian faith and can be found on page 880 in your hymnal, states a belief in one universal church. If we and others take Paul's words to heart that our gifts are for the benefit of all, for our flourishing and growth into the likeness of God, then we can truly be that one church that we strive to be. So the invitation in our scripture today is to do some personal and communal searching. Who am I and how has God uniquely gifted me to build up my church community?
How am I called to use those gifts for the benefit of the person sitting next to me, across the aisle from me, in a different worship service than me, in another Sunday school class than me, in another service opportunity than me, fill in the blank. Church leadership is in a season of discerning leadership for the next year. How do you fit into that conversation? Where do you feel your passions are being stoked by the ministries of the church? And then who are we? Who is West End? Who are we as a gathered community and how is God calling us to be a light to our city and to our world? In the worlds of author, theologian, and pastor Jason Biasi, the church is never for us. It's for our neighbors, especially our neighbors who don't like us. How do we realign our gifts so they're not about staining and growing us, but they're for our neediest neighbors? The inspiration for the sermon title comes from Oscar Wilde's play, The Importance of Being Earnest. It's a comedy about what happens when two individuals pretend to be someone named Ernest in order to get out of social obligations and win the hearts of two women. In the end, they realize that their pretense is more real to who they are than they thought. May we as individuals recognize the importance of being who we are, who God has created us to be, and who we have been called to be in this gathered community. And may we realize who God has called us as a church to be for the benefit of others. Amen.